everyone, and welcome to Liberty Starship, where we take you beyond the typical terrestrial politics. Join us on the journey. My name is Eric, and this is my co-host, Pete. And uh, as always, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. We're going to go right into our daily distractions, which, uh, honestly, Peter, that might take a different meaning now in the age of corona. Daily distractions was sort of our satire of all the kind of stupid news out there and the misleading headlines, but People might be looking for distractions today. Yeah, that's that's right. There's not a lot of fluff on the news. Everything is corona, 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 and it's mostly hard news. So I guess it just tells you that the media is hungry to fill the 24-hour news cycle. And now that there's finally something happened that justifies it, <laughs> they are taking full advantage. So don't let this crisis go to waste. Yeah. That's true. Did you want to go ahead and start out with your first article? Sure. Um, there's a very important uh, story I wanted to share. Uh, let me bring up the tab. Uh, last week, we warned you about the, the dangers of putting monkeys out of work. <laughs> you might recall that monkeys in Thailand were orphan monkeys were being forced to tend bar. Well, we now see what happens when, they, when they're unemployed. Yeah, they're, they turn to crime. There are starving monkey gangs in La Puri, uh, Thailand right now. <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, yeah, yeah, what's happened, and, and, and I, I joke, but it's, it's kind of true. Uh, what, you don't have as many tourists, and these monkeys are called crab-eating monkeys. So, ostensibly, they eat crab in a state of nature, but with all the tourists, they eat a lot of French fries and whatever else the tourists drop. Now the tourists are gone. There's not as much food for the monkeys. And so they are fighting each other <laughs> in the streets of La Puri uh, or La Puri. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, so it looks a bit like like downtown Chandler on, on Friday. But <laughs> yeah, everything is abandoned. Maybe not so much now, right? Maybe not right, so much now. Right now that everything's abandoned because of the, the coronavirus. The city even hosts an annual monkey buffet festival. So they are serious. <laughs> so we've got a monkey theme going two weeks in a row now. <laughs> two weeks in a row. We'll see how long we can keep it going. <laughs> People need to know the truth about this important topic. Monkey rights, monkey civil liberties. I'm uh, curious. So, so what, are they, what, are they, what are they saying they're going to do about this? I, I assume this is a problem for them. So. I assume it is uh, because it's Southeast Asia. There's probably not a lot they are going to be able to do about it. Um, the, generally, the, the religious sentiment, if you have a Hindu population, is that you don't force the monkeys to leave. You don't kill them. The most you can do is maybe bring larger monkeys into the vicinity. And, and that's how you would try to solve the problem. But basically, I think they are stuck with the monkeys for the foreseeable future. <laughs> stuck with the monkeys. Yeah. Now let's hope they're not spreading corona around, huh? I have to imagine they are. I don't know if monkeys, I mean, they're, they're, they're closely related to us. If uh, you know, we can get diseases from dogs and cats, I have to imagine that, that monkeys can spread disease too. And I, I know they spread other diseases, so it, it could be a real problem for, uh, for the city. Yeah. Well, that's just crazy. Uh, what, was your, what was your daily distraction? All right. So I've, I've got uh, two this time. I'll start out with this one. Let me get the uh, share screen going here. Again, like I said, uh, everything's going to seem to be Corona related, but it's still it's still funny and it's still still somewhat of a distraction. So emergency, which is a, a cold remedy, uh, responds to boozy quarantini with vitamin C. Quote, we do not recommend. This is a Fox so, News article. What is a quarantini? Well, we're going to get right to it. So I, I actually saw this when this was happening. Uh, this uh, Marilyn Starkloff. But by the way, I, I did uh, click on her link when this happened. I saw this when she posted it, uh, you know, within minutes of her posting it. She's actually listed as a pediatric nurse, interestingly enough. But anyway, um, she said, time for a quarantini. And here you, you can see what a quarantini is. <laughs> it is, you know, I assume gin uh, with uh, the emergency vitamin C supplement. Um, oh, yeah. Aviation American gin, it says. Yep. And mixed with yeah. uh, with emergency, one thousand milligram vitamin C, and uh, I actually thought this was pretty clever, and it gave me a good chuckle. But apparently, emergency is not laughing. 
They don't like it. Uh, says uh, yeah. on Twitter, a woman shared an image of her quarantine inspired drink mixing gin and emergency. Unfortunately, the makers of the powdered vitamin supplement don't think it's a good idea. I don't see we why do not. not. Yeah, we do not recommend <laughs> taking any of our products with alcohol. What about your kill choice? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm, so, I'm allergic to gin, so I, I think that's a. I think it's a good idea. No quarantinis. No maybe quarantinis. Can, yeah, maybe they can do sort of a, a quarantine old fashioned or something. Just have that. <laughs> I like that. that yeah, quarantine old fashioned. Yeah. Doesn't have the same ring to it though as a quarantini. I think that was actually rather clever. Yeah. Well, anything in a martini <laughs> glass is a is a martini now. So, I suppose we can get creative. Uh, they said they added though, uh, quote, if you're feeling fine and of legal drinking age, a little extra vitamin C consumption doesn't hurt. So they kind of tried to have it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they definitely tried to have it both ways. I will say yeah. this. Uh, I am going to be talking seriously about Corona in, in my segment later, but uh, I will say this. Um, vitamin C in, ge in general doesn't, doesn't hurt you if you quote unquote take too much because it doesn't really build up on the body. Uh, there are there are some studies that say that it can cause things like kidney stones and things like that. Uh, but in all seriousness, what a lot of people are talking about with Corona is actually vitamin D. The vitamin D is helpful because vitamin D is helpful for respiratory infections. Uh, but vitamin D does build up in the body. So don't be going out there and uh, chucking a bunch of vitamin D, whereas vitamin C has, has, has very minimal cumulative effects on the body. Like I said, I guess there are some studies that say it causes kidney stones. Uh, but mm -hmm. in general, more vitamin C doesn't really hurt you. Vitamin D will. So you got to be careful with vitamin D, but vitamin D is actually uh, something they're looking at as far as something that does have benefits. And it would have been nice if they put something like that in this article, <laughs> but uh, they yeah, didn't. And that's why, I, this I, is a, that's why this is a daily distraction. I see. So vitamin D is the one you get from sunlight, right? Correct. So, oh. and also uh, people, you know, uh, should be aware that uh, lighter skinned people have an advantage because they actually produce vitamin D better than people with darker skin. In fact, there is a that. theory. Yeah, there's a theory um, that that is the reason that people that, you know, generally live up north have white skin, that it was an adaptation because they had less sunlight. Uh, they needed to, to produce vitamin D uh, in, more, in better quantities and more efficiently. That's that's the adaptive change, uh, because hmm. you know the, the theory, of course, is that humanity started in, in Africa, so and and migrated outward. So, yeah, it's an interesting theory, and uh, it makes a lot of sense actually when you think about it. Because, like I said, lighter skinned people do produce vitamin D better than darker skinned people. But again, as I mentioned, it would have been nice if they mentioned something like this in this article, because it would be a good like you know education moment, if you will. And uh, no, no such mention. They just kind of go with a little joke and all that and, you know, have their little tongue in cheek and, and back and forth uh, with this little, little, little post that someone did. But quite frankly, I don't think that there's any harm in this. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> if you are a drinker, might as well throw some vitamin C into your drink. Does the alcohol in any way counteract the effects of the, um, of the vitamin C? Well, they do say that alcohol impairs your immune system, in all seriousness, that they do say that alcohol impairs your immune system. But a drink or two, I don't think is going to hurt you. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be. I don't even I don't even claim to play one on TV. But uh, <laughs> I do. I will say that, I, you know, everything I've heard is said that, yes, consumption of alcohol can absolutely impair your immune system. But I don't think having a drink and let's be honest, people are going to drink. So if yeah. you're going to drink, why not put some vitamin C in it? <laughs> so <laughs> people are not going to stop drinking it. In fact, some people are probably going to drink a little bit more than they normally do. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, we, we do have a comment. And uh, let's share it here. This is from Janet R. Uh, Hanelman. I'm sorry, Janet, if I butchered your last name. And this is from the Facebook. It says, just lighten up, folks. Unknot your knickers. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, I agree with you. I agree with you. Although I do think that they had some fun with it, uh, with uh, you know the Energy C company, they did have some fun with it and mentioned, hey, yeah, uh, having some vitamin C with your alcohol is is not necessarily a bad thing. So, are we ready to find out what happened with Joe Biden today? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So we have found the one person. 
who watched the the Biden Sanders debate, and that is this poor debate tape. <laughs> the one person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Biden had his best night to date. Nobody cared. There have been so many debates. They've been so long. It's too bad because probably this was, uh, I bet it was a substantive debate compared to everything else that's come before it. The The guy who, who wrote this article is Todd Graham. Apparently he is a debate coach. Uh, I don't know that that matters so much. But uh, according to him, I haven't seen it. You have. You didn't see the debate. All we know is what we've read. And uh, Joe Biden wants us to call out the army to build more hospital beds to respond to coronavirus. There we go. Um, there we go. Yeah. Martial law, you folks. Know, well, I don't, know <laughs> but, uh, don't we have the Corps of Engineers respond to natural disasters? There, there are worse ideas. If we're going to have the military doing something in a time of crisis, whether it's putting sandbags on a riverbank or, in this case, building hospital beds, I, I we were talking off the air before the show about how Carl uh, Icahn is shorting commercial real estate. I wonder if part of the solution, now that everybody's working from home, might be to put some of these beds into uh, commercial buildings that are unoccupied. That's actually yeah. a great idea. That's a, I, I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I, I hope something like that happens because we only have about forty-five thousand beds. We need a lot more. We may need a lot more. We don't know yet. Well, uh, well one thing I one thing I thought about along those lines, and, and first of all, with the commercial thing, I, I live in the Phoenix metro area. Anybody who's familiar with this area uh, knows that uh, Mesa is it constitutes a lot of the east side of the city, and there's a defunct mall in Mesa called Fiesta Mall. That would be a perfect place when you talk about <laughs> some place to just kind of put people or or make a makeshift um, hospital because it's huge. Mm -hmm. It's a mall. Uh, and then along those lines, you know, everybody has been talking about uh, the lack of sports and there's no sporting anymore. Well, we can use those arenas for that purpose as well. That's another idea. Yeah, we might we might have to get creative here because it, I think the Fiesta Mall is, is a great example. You know, Mesa, we have so many uh, businesses that have just closed down. The The buildings are doing nothing. Uh, we, we do have a shortage of, of housing. You know, it's time for us to find new use for that for that real estate but anyway back to the debate uh his response on bernie sanders he gave him a d he gave bernie a b uh said that sanders had more questions than answers you know as a socialist i kind of think that's always the case when do when do socialists really have any answers they like to criticize capitalism they say that they want to come to some solution, but it's always the the same old, same old when we're talking, you know, the Bernie well, Sanders types. I had heard that Sanders was emphasizing the, the Medicare for all, that that's his answer to Corona. Like he doesn't quite understand the capacity issue. And I think that's why he's getting some criticism. Uh, the capacity issue is pretty is pretty straightforward and it, it has to do with just simple numbers. Uh, when you talk about the number of people infected and then the, the percentage of people that can get seriously ill, what we're really talking about is oxygen and ventilators. So it's a capacity issue. It's not really an access issue. That's not really what we're talking about right now. And that and that's not going to be the problem going forward. And I did hear that criticism uh, that Bernie Sanders basically said, hey, if we had Medicare for all, this Corona thing would be fine. You know, that's just paraphrasing. I didn't see the actual quote. I saw someone commenting about it. Um, and it's like, well, that's not really what the problem is. The problem is not the access issue. The problem is capacity. Um, and that, and you, I don't think a, a Medicare for all uh, quote unquote solution is, a, is in fact a solution because that's not necessarily going to increase capacity. In fact, I think it might uh, lessen capacity, you know, a situation Absolutely. like that. I, I, yeah. I think that you probably, we probably have more ventilators than a lot of the, well, I know in terms of raw numbers, we have many more ventilators than most of these other countries, even Italy, even Western democracies, we have many more ventilators than they do. Now, percentage wise, I don't know if we're really up to par because our population is also much larger, you know, but, but we do have more ventilators than say Italy. So I know that. But if you have Medicare, you cap spending just by necessity. 
they pick a number and that's how much we're going to spend on healthcare this year. And after that, it's just a matter of triage and rationing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. No, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. All right. Do you have one more story? I do. Now this one, I just thought was, this is, this was clickbait for me. I took the bait. I took the bait the way that you might think I did. You can see that this is another Fox News article. It says, Dr. Oz reveals do-it-yourself coronavirus vaccine. It's that powerful. And I, and I will admit completely, and this was published yesterday, I, I took the bait. I looked at this. I was all like, okay, what's, you know, Dr. Oz, I kind of take with a grain of salt because he is both a doctor and he plays one on TV. So <laughs> I kind of like, I take him with a grain of salt. He's known for a lot of new age and alternative medicine. A lot of questionable advice. So, yeah, I take him with a grain of salt, but but I I myself fell for this. It, and it, I fell for it the way they wanted me to. I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't really trust Dr. Oz, but maybe he's going to give some good advice. Maybe, you know, I know he talks to people. People talk to him. But here it is. So it says, while a vaccine to combat the spread of the coronavirus remains months away from approval, taking the proper precautions at home can reduce virus transmission by nearly 50% according to Dr. Oz. So what's this 50% answer? So he was on Fox and Friends Sunday, answered many questions surrounding the novel outbreak, emphasizing the importance of hand washing and social distancing. After reports on Sunday estimated the number of infected cases in the U.S. surged nearly 3,000 nationwide, up from less than 500 cases recorded in the country at the start of the week. And what's his answer? Washing your hands alone is probably a 50% reduction in virus transmission, Oz said. It's a do-it-yourself vaccine. It's that powerful. That's the best way to stay out of it. But he emphasized the most important thing is social distancing. So I fell for the clickbait. At least there was a good message there. Uh, that is what is being emphasized, hand washing and social distance as being your, your friends. Uh, but I definitely fell for the, I felt for the, I, I totally fell for the clickbait completely. So he's not encouraging you to manufacture your, your own vaccines at home. No, he's not. He's not. Okay. Or is he? I, what I kind of thought was going to happen was it was going to be like some sort of like uh, kind of almost like a home remedy, or maybe he would even kind of uh, explain how you can make. Because um, I've actually seen some posts where people talk about how you can make your own hand sanitizer. Because obviously, mm -hmm. hand sanitizer is, is going uh, is going you know out, out the door in most uh, shopping centers now and all that kind of stuff, and people having trouble finding it. Um, but yeah, so. Anyway, it was it was clickbait, but I mean, at least it's not a terrible message. At least they are giving some practical advice. It's the same advice you're hearing everywhere else, but you know, I guess they were trying to be clever and uh, and get you to um, get you to click on the article, and it worked. It worked for me. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. Speaking of sanitizer hoarding, did you see those in Tennessee who bought uh, seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer in order to resell them on Amazon? I did. I did see that and that they got banned and they can't sell anything. Yeah. So they're, they're thinking they might state, just go ahead and donate it. Yeah, they're donating it to a church. The state attorney general sent them a cease and desist order. So they're not allowed <laughs> to gouge people for hand sanitizer, which I guess it's good that it's available. But this is one of those things where there's an opportunity for something good to happen. We could have more hand sanitizer if people were paying more for it. To a certain degree, I understand, but to a large degree, I'm just, I'm just, well, that I, kind of I don't have any problem with Amazon or eBay saying you can't do this. We're not going to allow you to do this on their platform. I don't have any problem with that. In fact, I, I fully encourage that. Uh, my my yeah. line is pretty simple it, it's, it's when you have uh, government intervention, that's where things become questionable. And that's actually what my segment's going to be a lot about. Uh, but 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 yeah, I, I don't have any problem with Amazon saying you're a jerk because I would say to him personally, you're a jerk. I would if, if it was me, my personal opinion. But just because I have a personal opinion doesn't mean that I believe I should be able to legislate. You know what I mean? Or that I believe that uh, that the police should arrest this man for buying too much hand sanitizer. See what I'm saying? That's the line. Right. For me. And then they do have to protect their brand if they're seen as the place where you get gouged for goods, that, that hurts Amazon. So I suppose I can see their point. 
Yeah, well, I, I, well, I, I think, I, but I, I, I just want to make that point that from a liberty perspective, I don't think there's anything wrong with a private company saying what can and can't be sold and under what conditions and saying we're not going to be a part of this. They, they have every right to do that. Every right. Well, what is your main story? You mentioned that it's a coronavirus. Yeah, I, I'm kind of sticking with the same. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat this horse until it's dead. And quite frankly, I don't think it's gonna be dead for a long time. And quite frankly, I do not see a lot of people talking about this. I see a lot of people talking about uh, uh, Corona. You know, I see people okay. talking about Corona like uh, like crazy. Um, but I don't see people really getting in to uh, the 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 liberty aspect. You know, the coronavirus versus liberty. And uh, we have some big stories that have happened in the last week since we were on the air. Um, some stories that I think are quite frankly frightening. And I'm not trying to be a fear monger or, or, or what you know people are calling it fear porn. I'm not trying to do fear porn. What I am trying to do is say, take a moment, step back. What are these people doing? Is this a good idea? Is it legal? Is it constitutional? And is it practical? Those are the questions that we're not asking. Is this practical? Can we really do this? When we first started this show, I started talking about this topic right off the bat. And one of the points I tried to make and one of the ironies I tried to point out is that China was in a unique position to do what they did. And the reason they're in a unique position is because they have both will and capacity. And what do I mean when I say will and capacity? Well, capacity has to do with their wealth. China is one of the largest economies in the world. By some estimates, it's actually larger than the United States, depending on which metric you use. But it's certainly a rival to the United States in terms of the raw size of their economy. Um, per capita, it's not anywhere near us, but it is, it is as far as just as an economy by itself, it is huge. Only rivaled by the United States. So they are a wealthy country. So they have capacity. They have the ability to buy things, and not to mention everything's made in China. So they, they, they have capacity in that issue, very unique to the rest of the world because they are, they are the world's manufacturing plant right now. So they, they have that unique position of capacity, meaning uh, you know, they, they have all that wealth. Now mm -hmm. when I talk about will, when I talk about will, and this is very important in the discussions of liberty and to be real and to be realistic, they are a communist country and they are a despotism. They are an oligarchy. Uh, you cannot, everybody doesn't get to join the Communist Party. It is an, an elite group of people. And uh, mm -hmm. they, they, are a, they are a despotic regime. There, there are not free elections in China. In fact, uh, right. one thing that before this show even started, I would have liked to point out is, you know, very quietly, I think about a year and a half ago, maybe two years now, the president of China uh, removed the term limits because there had been term limits in China and he quietly removed them to show that yes, we are headed towards more of a despotism in China. And nobody commented about that, by the way, nobody cared. Um, but, but because of that, the irony is that they are able to do things that no other nation I think on earth can do because they don't necessarily have both. There are other nations that have the will, they're despotic, they're tyrannical, uh, they are not free societies but they don't have the wealth that China has and they don't have the manufacturing. They don't have all the capacity that they have. They don't have uh, the, the, the military and the, and the police forces and, and, and quite frankly, the communist party mechanism because they did implement the communist party mechanism in order to enforce these checkpoints. You know, I, I talked about this before. Um, basically what they were doing was the, the scenario was if you walk out of your apartment building the, the local party party boss was standing outside, he would check your temperature. You would have probably at least one checkpoint with the police, and then you'd have another checkpoint at the grocery store, and then you'd have to go through it all again. So you'd be checked six times. And if anywhere on that chain you tested, you know, you were ahead of temperature, they grabbed you and they quarantined you. Uh, nobody else could do that. Nobody else could do that. Um, and, and there are definitely uh, liberty implications there. And it, it, it kind of goes to, you know, who we are as a people, you know, who we are as a nation and all that kind of stuff. Do we really believe in freedom? We say live free or die. We say freedom isn't free. We use those platitudes all the time. Do we really believe them? And right now you're trying to, you're kind of seeing, maybe we don't, maybe we don't, because I wanted to bring up um, the text of the, the LA order because. Uh, this is uh, LA mayor 
Eric Garcetti. Yes. He is closing down bars and restaurants. Is that right? That is correct. Among other things. Among other things. That's not the, that's not all of it. And I do want to mention as we're, as we're talking right now, this is also happening in San Francisco and I couldn't find the text of that order, but San Francisco, as I understand it, is taking it a step further where they're actually imposing like a curfew. There's also places in New Jersey where they're starting to impose curfews from eight to five. Now this is something that was done in Italy. So I would, I would advise people go and get as much information on what's happening on Italy because they are copying Italy. They're, they're copying the Italian model because Italy is a quote unquote democracy. They're trying to see if what they're doing there can be done here. Now, the reason I bring up uh, the city of Los Angeles and the reason I wanted to bring up the actual text is first of all, it's, it's, it's everybody else is just gonna tell you what he said instead of actually showing you what he said and show you what the quote unquote legal language is. Although my question is, is this legal? I think that's a valid question. Is this legal? Does this uh, go beyond the authority that he has? Uh, but the but the point is, he's doing it regardless, regardless. So this is the city of Los Angeles. Uh, this is a public order under city of Los Angeles emergency authority. This was issued March 15, 2020. Subject is new city measures to address COVID-19. It says on March 4th, 2020, I declared a local emergency in relation to the arrival of COVID-19 virus in our community. And on March 12, 2020, I ordered a number of measures to be taken across the city to protect members of the public and city workers from undue risk of contracting the COVID-19 virus. Our precautions over the past weeks and what we do over the next few days and weeks will determine how we will weather this emergency. They try to provide you with a little bit of context uh, they cite the Centers for Disease Control, which a lot of governors and mayors are doing that. I want to point out, I actually uh, like what the Center for Disease Control is doing because all they're doing is providing advice. Uh, they are not using the weight of law. And that to me is fine. And I don't have a problem with this with the Centers for Disease Control recommending that you not have gatherings over 10 people and putting that information out there. What I have a problem with is who gets to decide that. And uh, when governors and mayors decide they're going to give it the rule of law. So it says here in the city of Los Angeles, we must redouble our efforts to maintain hand hygiene, respiratory etiquette, and social distancing. It's absolutely critical that we as a city do everything we can to slow the pace of community spread and avoid unnecessary strain on our medical system. To aid in our efforts under the emergency authorities vested in my office under the laws of the city of Los Angeles, that's interesting that he's he's using the laws of the city of Los Angeles, which are city ordinances. That's like the lowest level of law, basically. Today, I am ordering that a series of temporary restrictions be placed on certain establishments throughout our city in which large numbers of people tend to gather and remain in close proximity. By virtue of authority vested in me as mayor of the city of Los Angeles, pursuant to the provisions of the Los Angeles Administrative Code, Chapter 3, Section 8.29, to promulgate issue and enforce rules, regulation, orders, and directives, I hereby declare the following orders to be necessary for the protection of life and property, and hereby order effective at 11.59 p.m. tonight until March 31st, 2020 at 12 p.m. that. Okay. Number one, all bars and nightclubs in the city of Los Angeles do not serve food shall be closed to the public. Number two, any bars or nightclubs in the city of Los Angeles that serve food may remain open only for the purposes of continuing to prepare and offer food to customers by delivery, service, or to be picked up. Dine-in food service is prohibited. Number three, all restaurants and retail food facilities in the city of Los Angeles shall be prohibited from serving food for consumption on premises. Uh, restaurants and retail food facilities may continue to operate for purposes of preparing and offering food to customers by delivery service, be picked up or for drive-through for those establishments offering Food pickup options, proprietors are directed to establish social distancing practices for those patrons in the queue for pickup. Uh, the following are exempt, cafeterias, commissaries, and restaurants located within hospitals, nursing, nursing homes, and similar facilities, uh, grocery stores, pharmacies, food banks, Los Angeles World Airport's concessionaries. That's interesting. So you can still, yeah. you can still go out to eat at the uh, airport if you'd like. Uh, trucks and other vehicles engaged in delivery. Uh, here's, a, here's an irrelevant one. All movie theaters, live uh, performance venues, bowling alleys, arcades shall be closed. 
all gyms and fitness centers shall be closed. And then uh, the punishment, any violation is a misdemeanor uh, with fines not to exceed 1,000. It does say each individual officer should use their discretion in enforcing this order and always keep the intent of the order in mind. Okay. So first of all, you mentioned that this is a city ordinance that it's the lowest uh, level of law. And that's partly true. But Arizona, like California, is a home rule state. We both have the Dillon rule, which means that uh, state uh, cities have a lot of autonomy. They are able to operate for the most part free of state interference. Now, in Arizona, we've seen examples where the, the state government has come down on cities to prevent them from passing laws that they find to be overreaching, like the plastic bag bans. You cannot have a plastic bag ban in Arizona because of Warren Peterson. But I'm going to assume that this will go into effect. I hear that that New York has a similar policy that they're that they are not allowing people to get they're they're not allowing people to eat in restaurants. You can just imagine the amount of um, difficulty this is going to cause because you have these sports teams in Los Angeles. You have the Dodgers. You have the Angels. Have uh, two NFL. Well, NFL. The NFL season isn't uh, in season right now, but the the LA Lakers. The NBA has been shut down. The LA Clippers. This is going to be a major hit to the Los Angeles economy. And we're we're also seeing Illinois and Ohio at the state level are pushing similar measures. You know, I think people are afraid, and I I understand it. You know, if you are in government right now and you stand against a regulation like this, you are... You are going to see a lot of backlash in November. I think politically, well, we have elections in November. We we are delaying elections here in Arizona. The primaries are being postponed. Uh, the primaries, I, I believe, are postponed in Ohio. Uh, there's definitely it, it happened in Georgia. I believe Georgia did push back their elections. Uh, that already already came to pass. Uh, so uh, this is going to be a story also that's going to be involved with this because how far do we go with this? Do, do we start delaying elections? Because it's happening. It is happening. Um, like I said, I I, I heard Georgia, uh, you know, and, and Ohio. So how, how far do you let this stuff go? Uh, and that and that's the question. How, how you know, I, I've said this before on the show is, is you know, people, when their security is threatened, uh, they will give their freedoms away. Um, that's that's an old saying. And, and there's a lot of truth to it. And, you know, I go back to it. You know, who, who are we really as a people and as a nation? You know, are, are we a, a nation of loss uh, or are we a, a nation of, of fear? You know, or are we a nation that, that's going to uh, hide under our beds? It's because uh, people don't do what we want. Uh, you have every option as an individual to quarantine. Uh, you have an option to stay away from people and nobody is really going to mess with that. Um, so... You know, and I question, you know, I question the not only the legality of this, but I question the the practicality of it. And you can see it with the little enforcement provision, you know, at the bottom here. You know, each individual officer should use their discretion. Well, officers always use discretion, okay? They always use, they always try to use discretion in, in their enforcement. Right, well, that's, that's window dressing. That is, that doesn't really change the meaning of this, of this order, as you said to emphasize if anybody has a criticism, they can point to it and say, well, it's not going to be quite that draconian. They're going to take it on a case-by-case basis and use their best judgment, and we need to support them in this difficult time. What this also comes to is we have a right under the Constitution. We have freedom of assembly. Now, I, I want to take this kind of one by one. Now, when we come to bars, bars are heavily regulated, okay? I, 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 they are very heavily regulated in, in virtually every state. I mean, there, there are also counties where you can't have bars. There are dry counties to this day in, in this country. So bars are very, very heavily regulated, and, uh, but they are usually regulated at the state level. I would, I would also note that. They're usually regulated at the state level. Most, most uh, I, I don't know about that. If you bar go to licenses. Texas, okay, well, the, but if you go to Texas, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's dual. It's dual. It's dual. Okay, okay so you have, you have it, it, not every state. I can't speak for every state. But in, okay. I, in most states, for instance, you have a state liquor board, and then you mm-hmm. might also have a, a specific a business license for liquor uh, within the city, because cities issue business licenses as well. Right. Now, there is some play with that, 
Okay, so there is some play with these business licenses because liquor is heavily regulated. Okay, whether you believe it should be or not, it is. That's the way, and it's been that way since basically since the Constitution was implemented, because <laughs> we were taxing liquor from the very beginning. Uh, so li liquor's always been very heavily regulated. So I understand there's a lot of play here. Okay, there's a lot of play here. So they may have the authority to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? You don't do this. We take away your liquor license. You can't operate anymore. I'm fine with and, that. And if okay? you have a charter city, that charter kind of creates like a little corporation. And so long as they obey the rules that they have set up, I don't think the state of California has very much say about whether or not Los Angeles does this. I think he probably does have absolutely have this power. Whether or not it's being used wisely is a different question. But I, I don't. And that's part of it too. Challenged in court. Yeah. That's that's part of it too. The the practicality and are you doing more harm than good? Um, that that's another question uh, that that has to be asked. And and we're not going to know the answer to that question until well after uh, this entire crisis has passed over. Uh, right. But, and, but that but that's always a valid question. And those questions should be asked when these things are happening. They shouldn't just be asked in the in the in the uh, back mirror of history, you know what I mean? Uh, we talked on an earlier show about the internment of the Japanese, and a lot of people should have been asking more questions about that when it was happening. Um, and very few people were. Very few people in government were. Uh, ironically, by the way, uh, I, I have always heard that the one person in government who was questioning it was J. Edgar Hoover, ironically. He was the one person telling Roosevelt this was unnecessary because my G-men can take care of this. You know what I mean? So don't worry about it. That's a black mark uh, on on our, our 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 republic for all of history. You know, it's a black mark on our republic. Are you endangering others by going into social situations where you could contract the virus? I I think if you're trying to look at this from a liberty perspective, that's where you have to. I don't usually like to look at things as balancing acts, but in this case, where you do have a reasonable idea that a lot of people could be in danger, I think that's the argument you would make in court. Yeah, that's that's the argument they're going to make, but that doesn't mean that they have the authority to do this. I mean, it, it it's that that's it's the question. It's the question. I'm not offering you an answer right now. I'm not. I'm asking questions, and I think that's what journalists are supposed to do. I think that's what responsible comment commentators do. You ask questions, and mm -hmm. you, you you ask difficult questions, and you try to get the answers to those questions. Right now, we don't have anybody to ask. We can't sit here with the mayor and ask him these questions, or sit there with one of the city councilmen and ask them how they feel about this. Um, but right. I, I, I want to point out, as I pointed out earlier, these are based on the, these are based on the CDC guidelines and the CDC guidelines do not have the weight of law. They just don't, it's just not there. Mm -hmm. The CDC is issuing guidelines and the cities, uh, individual cities, states are taking these guidelines and then trying to make them into law. They're trying to make them into law. And I don't understand um, exactly the methodology by which they feel they can do this. And here's the other, here's the other thing. So I'm going to just leave you with this. There is the doctrine of unintended consequences. I talk about it a lot in my own political philosophy called the doctrine of un unintended consequences. You pass a law and you think it's going to do this, not realizing it's actually going to do that. And it actually mm -hmm. creates more problems than it solves. Uh, there are already reports that I've seen of the yellow vest protests continuing in France, despite all the, the lockdown there, because they essentially have martial law in France right now. Essentially, they have martial law. This is, in a sense, martial law. That is the bottom line. And so you have to understand what, what is martial law? How does it work with under the, under the Constitution? Do states have more latitude than, say, the federal government? I would say they do. I would say that they do. And I would say that uh, cities obviously derive uh, their authority from the state. As you mentioned, they're chartered by the state, therefore they derive their, their constitutional authority under the state. I do think they have additional leeway, but we have fundamental rights in this country, such sure. as freedom of assembly and freedom of religion. And I do wanna just mention the religious provision because he decided not quite to go there because he does say, in addition, I hereby issue guidance to the leaders of the city's houses of worship and urge them in the strongest possible terms to limit gatherings on their premises and to explore and implement ways to practice their respective faiths while observing social distancing practices. 
So he's going short of saying, I'm going to ban churches. Okay. That would be struck down in court. So, but we, freedom of assembly is right there in the same, in the same, the same amendment. Okay. Our freedom to assemble and freedom of religion. Okay. Freedom of the press. Okay. So I am not offering an answer here. Okay. I'm offering questions and I'm, I'm, I'm asking people where, where do your loyalties really lie? Do we believe in things like live free or die? Do we believe freedom isn't free? Are we willing to sacrifice for these things? And also, I want to also point out, I'm not saying that these are bad ideas. I'm not trying to, that's another thing that sometimes people don't understand with liberty. I'm not trying to advocate for you going to a movie theater right now. I'm not trying to advocate for you to go to a nightclub right now. I am not advocating for you to go to a bar right now. I think those are, are probably stupid things to do, okay? I agree with this idea of social distancing, washing your hands. I wish there were more masks because the fact of the matter is they would help uh, for people that are, are that are uh, are infected but uh, either are not sick yet or will never become sick because we know that happens. Uh, they would help, and and the I do the mask quarters. I I mean I'm a, I'm a, I'm almost at the point where I say we should hang them. But I'm, what I'm trying to say here is we have to ask questions. We have to ask questions. We can't just blindly follow all this stuff uh, in terms of the authority of law. We can follow the we can follow whatever guidelines you want as blindly as you want. If they tell you no, to jump off jump off a bridge, you can go and do it if that's what you want to do. The question is, do you have to force everybody else to do it? That's the question. Right now, last week I asked you what your perfect solution would be, and you mentioned something about about federal guidelines. And the CDC has issued guidelines, and now the city of Los Angeles has put that into effect as a city ordinance. Were you talking about a different? Were you talking about different guidelines? You were talking about guidelines for first responders. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what, what uh, the context when we were talking uh, last week about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I do actually. That was one of my concerns. It's still my one of my concerns. Is the guidelines for first responders and healthcare workers. And the funny thing is, we keep hearing healthcare workers, healthcare workers, healthcare workers. Uh, you know, and it's like, well, uh, you know. That's public safety too. Okay, that, that that's that's part of the mix here, especially when you're talking about enforcing quarantines and enforcing social distances. Uh, you need the police. Uh, real quickly, mm -hmm. I just wanted to, I, I I want to get more into this because I think it's important to um, to share sources uh, because sometimes what happens is um, people will just kind of talk out their butt and uh, they don't actually tell you where they're getting some of their information. So I just wanted to share this real quick. Uh, Dr. John Campbell is a, I believe, a British uh, uh, nurse PhD. So he's a, a nurse teacher, uh, and also, as I understand, a practicing nurse. And he was ahead of this issue uh, from the beginning, where he was talking about this this issue all the way back in January and trying to warn people. I guarantee you, a lot of things I'm saying, Dr. John Campbell would not agree with. And I hope I think that helps my credibility rather than hurts it, because there are things that he's advocating that are, in his words, draconian. But what's really good about Dr. Campbell is he provides a lot of statistics and kind of gives you kind of gives you a really good perspective of where we're at right now. And if you look at his past videos, you can see where we've been, how this progressed. And he's one of the few people that was talking about this issue all the way back in January. So I use him a lot when I'm trying to look at some of um, the patterns and how big is this threat and, and what are the issues? You know, one of the big issues, for instance, is uh, testing. Uh, and, and, and quite frankly, we, we were behind the curve on testing. And, and right now, testing really isn't that relevant because once you have community spread, testing is really not that relevant. Right now, what the CDC is telling you is if you have a cough, you have a fever, and we're talking about a, a dry cough and a fever, stay home. Don't go to the hospital. Unless you have difficulty breathing, don't go to the hospital. You're just going to get everybody else infected. Uh, so we're past that point where testing would have been, uh, widespread testing would have been more helpful because now it's basically, we have community spread, we know we have community spread, so it, it's time to lock down. And again, I'm not trying to say don't do it. I'm asking the question of uh, you know, the context within the rule of law and if the things we're doing are going to actually work. And I, I'll make this prediction. Depending on how long this goes, you will start to see people have home bars you will start seeing people have corona parties in their homes. Uh, people will get restless. People will do these things, and they will do it in a far less regulated manner 
than if we put some regulations at the bars, if we had some screening going on, because then you at least have a little bit of control and then you're gonna lose all control. That's my prediction, depending how long this goes. Well, there's another danger, if we could bring it up on the screen. This is something that uh, we weren't planning on talking about until today. Uh, and you can see that, yeah, that scary looking article uh, from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, if you know them. They are a very credible organization when they talk about your internet freedom. I don't know if you follow them, uh, Eric, but but the Earnet Act is truly a frightening act. And it's being pushed by some of our favorite people, Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal. <laughs> uh, yeah, Republican of South Carolina. Democratic. Hey, by the way, by the way, I did see that Lindsey Graham tested negative for Corona. And I did like that post in the name of, of Liberty Starship. I, I did I did do that on our account. I did like well, it. So uh, yeah, yeah. I do not wish Corona on anybody. I do not wish Corona on anybody. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, all joking aside, there's a lot of concern right now about Washington. The president was near some corona positive people, and I guess he posited uh, tested negative as well. So um, so far it seems to be contained in Washington, DC. Um, oh, but, but I, you know, I forgot to mention this, but this is relevant. Uh, uh, my congressman, uh, Congressman Schweiker, his office is closed because one of his one of his uh, staff mm. members tested positive. I heard. So now you do you recall the whole debate with Josh Hawley and Section 230 of uh, the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act? OK, so Section 2 is what protects you if you own a website like Facebook or Google, something where people produce their own content, right? If you're on Twitter, Periscope, responsible for what people post on your website because you, you don't censor it. There's nobody at Facebook who's watching what you post. You can't watch each and every video. It's just not possible. So Section 230 protects publishers by saying, it's it's not like in the old days when you published a newspaper. In the paper printing days, uh, now hardly anybody reads a paper newspaper. In the paper newspaper days, they, everything that was in that newspaper was read by the editor, hopefully. And I thought, well, it sounded the way this was. I read this article on the EFF, and you can see it looks kind of alarmist. You know, it's in black, and you know this looks kind of like a George Orwell uh, stock eagle there where uh, he's breaking the key, he's breaking the microphone, representing that he's they're breaking encryption, they're breaking freedom of speech. It seemed a bit over the top. But then I started to look at other, at other sources, uh, and everybody seems to be in agreement of exactly what it is. IT world, the same thing. Uh, Attorney General Barr uh, wants to use this. The, the, the carrot is you get to use Section 230, and the stick is it's taken away if you don't weaken encryption. So if you own a service like WhatsApp, for example, that's supposed to be end-to-end -end encryption, or you have Telegram, or you have there's a lot of communication apps right now that are supposed to be secure. Now think about this in the context of China. Imagine if China, well, China does do this. They don't want you to have illegal apps, <laughs> right? Yeah, in in the Uyghur part of the of the country in uh, Chanjiang, I believe is, is the name of the, the the far western province of China, where you have all the Uyghurs. The police are stopping people on the street to make sure they don't have illegal apps on their phone. And these apps are apps that encrypt communications. They want people to be able to to communicate freely, privately, one to another. And so, uh, what you have to ask, what kind of um, what kind of company is going to want to give up 30 protection? Because if anybody, if you have a now, if you have a secret communication, somebody, let's say you have two terrorists talking to each other, right? Or two criminals talking to each other, or somebody is uh, child pornography, or as they put it, uh, child sexual abuse material is, is specifically what they mentioned. Well, they take away your, your section 230 protection. So you're now responsible for people communicating bad things over your network. Now imagine if we could sue AT&T if two criminals called each other on the phone. That's how crazy this is. Absolutely insane. Um, I don't I think- assume, I assume this is being done under the guise of, of this, we need this to fight terrorism. Is that, is that, is right. that the angle it's, it's, that we're taking here? Uh, 
yeah, terrorism is part of the primary thing they're using is child exploitation. And and that's how these things work. Is oh, they, so we're talking they, about I, human human trafficking, human trafficking, things like that? They, yeah, human trafficking. They said, like I said, child sexual uh, abuse material. So I suppose that includes child pornography as well. Um, it's not exactly clear to me what um, what what is covered, but it's broad enough that it could cover yes terrorism, and that's pri and that's primarily what the goal is here. They don't want uh, terrorists or other people who are not friendly to the government. I suppose all of our devices are going to be tapped by the government, and let me tell you, if they're tapped by the government, they're going to be tapped by cyber criminals. You put back doors to software doors into websites and we saw with the vault 7 um, uh, WikiLeaks revealed something called vault 7 uh, a couple of years ago and it was a, a list of exploits the NSA had discovered and basically what they found was the NSA had found all kinds of exploits to get into your iPhone to get into your iPhone to get into your computer to get into anything they want to get in but but this goes a step further because it says if there's something that they can't get into well, they're going to go in with the force of law. They're going to use this characteristic approach. They're going to say, you only have freedom of speech. You only have the ability to run your website, to run your business free of prosecution for other people's actions if you play ball, if you let the government in mm -hmm. to read all of your customers' data. And that's really, uh, to me, that's terrifying. We were going to talk about FISA reform, and that's kind of related. Uh, the FISA bill uh, did pass the House. And then we go into the Senate, and it's the same thing uh, that your business records, it's called, you may have heard of the third-party doctrine, doctrine, which is that the, the government can get records from, say, AT&T to see what you were doing. Um, Senators Mike Lee and Rand Paul have been talking to President Trump, saying he should veto this bill because it is dangerous. It's exactly what was done to him by this so-called deep state, uh, whether or not you like that word. You had people in the government who didn't like Donald Trump who were spying on his campaign. They claimed it was for a good reason. They claimed it had to do with law enforcement. But if they did it for a good reason, without permission, they could do it for a bad reason, okay? And we don't have to sit here and, and argue and prove that their reasons were bad. The fact is, if you can do it for a good reason, you can do it for a bad reason. If you can do it to bad people, you can do it to good people. It will happen. They start with the bad people. They start going after the so-called uh, child abusers, which this law claims to, to to be against. Now, look, if if you if there are people who are trafficking children, should your website cooperate with the government? Absolutely, absolutely. And generally speaking, people are happy to do so. Facebook isn't going to deny a federal subpoena. They're not going to just uh, shove to the side if if the federal government asks for assistance to do for an investigation. They will get that assistance from Facebook. Okay, they will get. Uh, I think that's that's a, that's a really good point. The the, the fact of the matter is, uh, if, if you do have a, a warrant, um, mm -hmm. the, these these companies are going to have to comply, and if they don't, uh, there will be consequences to their failure to to for their failure of to comply. Uh, they'll be in right. violation of the law, and people will be arrested, or should be arrested at that point. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You, you right. can't not comply with a warrant. That's just not an option. You don't have that right. Uh, once a warrant is issued, you have to comply with it. And if they're, yeah. if they're not going to comply, they're not going to give the information, then you know mm -hmm. you, the, the remedy is already there. But I want right. to back up because Section 230 is something that's relevant for anybody, any content creator, anybody that's on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, anything. But it's, but it's been a huge issue on YouTube. It's been a huge issue on YouTube. I do a a pop culture show in addition to this show. And on my pop culture show, we've been talking about COPPA and Section 230 for quite a bit. The funny thing is, there was a whole huge thing about uh, COPPA on, on YouTube. And for weeks, months, everybody, uh, I remember the, the Lego builder community was really, really, uh, really concerned, really, really scared of COPPA and, and the regulations that YouTube was doing. Uh, as you, you know, you, as you may or may not be aware, you have to, it, when you do set up a YouTube now, you have to declare whether this is child content or not. And if you're child content, uh, you have all sorts of restrictions. You lose your ability to have comments on your page. Uh, you can no longer do notifications for your page. Uh, you lose all sorts of restrict, 
all sorts of restrictions and you lose the targeted ads, which is the heart of COPPA is the targeted ads and Google's violation of COPPA because they were targeting ads at people they knew were minors. They knew were th under the age of 13. COPPA applies to people only under the age of 13. Uh, so I, I've talked mm -hmm. extensively about this actually on my pop culture show, but the interesting thing is I'm one of the few people that was talking about section 230 and people don't talk about section 230 all that much. And section right. 230 it, is, is very interesting, and it, mm -hmm. very, very interesting. And section 230, uh, in, in, in my opinion, uh, is being abused uh, by many of the large big tech companies, including Google. I think what they did to content creators with making you decide whether your child content and putting it on you and uh, basically the FCC saying, hey, if, if, you, if, if you as a content creator violate the rules, we're gonna fine you up to $40,000. And I think that was very heavy handed and I think it's wrong because the violation came from Google, not from content creators. You and me as a content creator, we have a YouTube channel. You and I cannot determine what kind of ads they put on our channel. We don't have that ability. We do not have that ability. We do not decide, unless you and I decide to have, uh, you know, an in-show sponsor where we say, you know, Liberty Starship is brought to you by blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Or we, we, right. we, we do some sort of product placement, you know, or something like that. But you and I do not control, but, but that's not a targeted ad either. That's a dumb ad. Right. That's not a targeted ad. If, right. if we do something like that, that's not a targeted ad. Only Google has the ability to target ads on their platform. So yeah. I have a lot of mixed emotions when it comes to Section 230 because I do feel the companies are abusing the intent of 230 and in fact, actually curtailing free speech when Section 230 is actually supposed to help free speech because the distinction between being a publisher and a platform is very significant when it comes to uh, specifically when it comes to civil law and you being sued uh, mm -hmm. for, for content that, that, that you're putting out. So for instance, uh, I was talking to you about Dr. Campbell uh, earlier. If Dr. Campbell gives some quote unquote bad medical advice or medical advice that is beyond his level because he's a nurse, he's not a doctor, you know, he's not an MD. He is a doctor, but he's a doctor nurse and a PhD. If he's, if he goes on uh he goes on YouTube and gives bad medical advice. He can be sued for that. He can be sued for that. Section 230 is supposed to protect YouTube so they don't get sued, right? But what happens is YouTube might go ahead and say, for instance, well, we don't like this guy giving free advice. Uh, let's just get rid of him because we have people that are doing it for pay and we don't want them to be around. Uh, he's competing with them. So let's just get rid of him. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's happening sometimes with Section 230. So I, I have mixed emotions when it comes to Section 230, and I think we could actually do an entire show just on Section 230. Sure, we absolutely could. I wanted to share this other article from Wired Magazine. You know, Wired has a reputation for being a left of center uh, publication these days. It's more progressive. They pointed out that this is a bipartisan effort, Lindsey Graham and uh, Blumenthal, they're going after encryption. And just like the FISA vote um, earlier today, when you had some uh, Democrats, civil libertarians like Zoe Lofgren supporting real reform, um, you have both Democrats and Republicans supporting this terrible bill, and it is about encryption. Now let's, let's talk about how encryption actually works. I think a lot of people don't really know how encryption works in the real world. Um, for encryption to be effective, I have to have the key, right? If you wanna send me something, you use my public key, you send it to me, so you encrypt it, and I decrypt it, but I'm the only person who can decrypt it. If there is anybody else who has the key to decrypt the content that you're sending to me, then my content is not secure. If anybody else has that key, if Facebook has that key, if Google has that key, then um, everybody, uh, oh, I just said it and, and my phone came to life. Uh, so they are listening to us, our devices. <laughs> but if um, if anybody else has that key, the government will have that key. Hackers will have that key. Um, so if you are using an app like, say, uh, WhatsApp, you're using um, uh, Facebook said that they wanted to have a new 
end-to-end -end encrypted system. And there's a there's a one new one called Telegram that's popular. Snapchat, I believe, is supposed to be encrypted end-to-end. -end. The problem is, do you ever recall generating your own key for those apps? You didn't, right? So who has that key? Where is that key? Well, it's it's on your phone, um, presumably, or it could be on the server of Snapchat. Uh, hopefully, it's on your phone. Um, but even so, if it's on your phone and it's accessible by the app, well, guess what? Snapchat has access to your private key. They can unencrypt anything they want to, which means that if the government really wants to get a warrant, they can come in. They can. Uh, they can decrypt these messages. Maybe, maybe they can't get messages that are already sent that have been encrypted, and you know the key's been through. There are different ways to do that, right? To to have uh, security that can't be later uh, decrypted. But for the for the most part, your devices are are not secure. I think people need to realize that the only way to get true security is, well, just get smarter about how about how encryption works. Um, if you're going to send emails, use something like pretty good privacy. Um, but right now, most people just, they don't have the time. They don't have the technology. They, we're all, we are all so vulnerable. And this, this law makes us even more vulnerable. It's not necessary. It's absolutely ridiculous. I expect it will pass with bipartisan support. There's going to be some Democrats who oppose it. A lot of Democrats will oppose it. A lot of Republicans who will oppose it. But I think you're going to see more people in each party support this bill, and that's just really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. I, I understand some of the intent, but I also think sometimes uh, the the stated intent is not necessarily what the real intent is. So. You know, I don't give them that. I don't give them that much credit, and I'll tell you why. When the when the Patriot Act was first signed into law. Um, that those provisions had already been written. They had already been drafted years before. These were things that had been inc included in other bills at other times, and they weren't able to get them through because Congress said, no, this is wrong. We don't support this. And what happened when there was an emergency, they passed the bill anyway. They used it to pass a bunch of bad ideas into law. And so these are ideas that they have, that William Barr has already been, has already had cooking. He already wanted these things to happen. And so they have been thinking, how do we push this law for people's hot button issues? They can't use coronavirus. So, uh, you know, child exploitation, which is terrible. It is a terrible thing that we need to, to deal with as a society. Um, but I, I got to say, this is absolutely the wrong way to go about it. This is absolutely the wrong way. We have protections. We have the Fourth Amendment for a reason. It has served us well. There's no reason not to get a warrant. Um, but I don't have a lot of hope because I, I think I think the big problem is going to be not enough voters are going to understand this issue. Not enough voters are going to be motivated by this issue. Even if you understand it, even if you think this is a bad idea, is this is this the issue that's going to decide your vote? And if it is, whom do you vote for? Because if both Republicans and Democrats support this, you don't have a choice in November. You have the two parties that both support this bad, bad bill that is, that is against your civil liberties. So not much of a high note to end on, but I, I'm not optimistic. I'm just hey, hey it's bipartisanship. Aren't we supposed to be advocating yeah. for bipartisanship? I always yeah. think that's silly too, by the way, because uh, I think it's funny yeah. because it always seems that, yeah, people don't realize how much bipartisanship there actually is, especially on important issues like this. But hey, hey, it's bipartisan. It's it's good. Yeah. It's good. I think it's time we we wrapped it up. Like I said, but we didn't exactly. I do think we have to we have to address one thing. Uh, we have okay. it subtly. We have it there subtly, but people may have noticed we have a new logo, and uh, I think uh, we should let people take a, a closer look at it. There it is in all of its glory. I think it yeah. came out very well. That is the Liberty Starship right there, um, and. I want to give credit where credit is due. Peter designed that, and then we we had some uh, you know actual uh, uh, I believe a graphic designer go ahead and, and finish it for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is Peter's uh, basic design, and I think he did a great job. I'm very pleased with it, and uh, we're, hopefully you're going to be seeing this logo a lot. You're going to see yeah. it all over the place. 
Yeah, sure. T-shirts, frisbees, uh, car stickers. Why exactly, not? exactly, and people are going to love it. Yeah. I, I, I actually, yeah. I'm. I think I might wait since I haven't revealed my face yet. I think I might wait till we have our Liberty Starship uh, ball caps, and then I'll I'll go ahead and reveal my face. I'll go ahead and be on oh, the I, air. Oh, I, I thought you were going to do a facial tattoo, but that, that's cool too. <laughs> I think I'll stick with the ball cap. So okay, great. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, that is you in your picture with 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 Ron Paul. That's a, yeah. That's right. That actually good. is my. It, but I don't really. I have long hair. I've got a mustache, so I don't really <laughs> look exactly like this anymore. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that is actually me standing next to Ron Paul. Yeah. So I have revealed my face, just not exactly the way it looks right now. So yeah. very cool. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. I'm Pete. This is Eric, and you keep flying free.